Real Life Moms community, I am so excited to announce that now you can subscribe to the Real Life Moms podcast. For only $1.99 a month, you'll have access to ad-free previous release, subscriber-only episodes, early release of our upcoming episodes, and once a month, you'll have access to a bonus content like behind the scenes or an intimate Q&A with our guests. A subscription to Real Life Moms podcast can make an amazing gift for yourself or for someone you love. So subscribe today. Just click on the link in the show notes of this episode. And now back to this week's podcast. Hi, and welcome to Real Life Moms. I'm your host, Lisa Foster. And Real Life Moms is a podcast that's all about connecting moms through real parenting conversations. I believe that moms have so much insight and knowledge, and together we are powerful. On this podcast, we give moms a voice to tell their stories and share their expertise and resources through real conversations. And this week, we're talking with Rocio Perez. She developed the Unstoppable Seven Steps to Becoming a More Intentional Leader coaching program and wrote an international bestselling book to support individuals in creating and living a life they love. She is also the creator of the Mind Shift Game to help people be more courageous, boost their confidence, expand their vision, own their power, and elevate their energy to achieve their desires. And Rocio is here today to talk to us about intentional parenting. Hi, Rocio. Welcome to Real Life Moms. I am so excited to have you on the show today to talk about intentional parenting. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. It's such an honor and a privilege to get to know you and talk about this such important topic in our lives. I know you had not an easy childhood. You were a single teen mom. And I thought maybe you could just kind of talk about your background a little bit and how you kind of developed this concept of intentional parenting. Well, growing up as a little girl, Lisa, I saw a lot of adversity and I experienced a lot of abuse, physical, mental, all kinds of abuse as a little girl. And at one point I just vowed, I'm like, wow, parents aren't supposed to be like this, right? They're they're supposed to be loving and compassionate and caring. And I, I always longed for that. I wanted my mom to love me. I wanted to be cared for. And, and I always thought the day that I would have a child, that I would be nice to them, that I would be intentional with what I'm doing, because I saw the impact of what wasn't. I come from extreme adversity. A lot of my family has been through things that kids should never even be through, mm-hmm. or even read in a book, thinking about how do we really connect. And so moving forward, I ran away from home because of the abuse, Mm -hmm. because of the lack of understanding. I knew that I would not stand a chance to continue to move any further in my life or even live for that matter. I did look at my grandmother one day before I ran away and I said, grandma, you know, they're going to kill me. And her response is, I know. I mean, my grandmother was defeated in that moment. And it's like, I need you to help me. Right. So that's where my journey began to becoming a more intentional individual, Mm -hmm. intentional parent. Unfortunately, things didn't pan out the way I thought they were going to pan out. By the time I was 14, I ran away with my 22 year old boyfriend. Oh, my. And again, like continuing the cycle of ignorance and poverty and you name it, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of things that didn't work for me. And at one point, I got pregnant. Now Mm -hmm. I'm 14 years old figuring out life and saying, what am I going to do now? Like I vowed to protect my son and take care of him and raise him the best that I could. And I knew that, I knew that it was important to read to him. I knew it was important to connect with him. I knew it was important for him to really experience love. All those things that I had an experience. And I truly believe that we can give something that we don't have. 
a lot of us are like, oh, I've never experienced that. It's awkward. And I'd say, do it because you're going to be proud that you did. You're going to be able to start to fill that void inside of you Mm -hmm. as I did now as a, now as a parent, now 15 years old, having this little guy who was amazing talking with him. And I remember things weren't going very well. I mean, I wanted to leave that relationship from the onset. And then I figured at one point that I needed to be much more intentional as a mother, even more than what I had dreamt of. And I remember this moment where my son was playing with his little cars. He was four years old. Okay. So paint the picture, four Mm -hmm. years old. He's on the kitchen floor and he's playing with his little box cars. And he's like, and my mom does this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, is that the way that I react? Like, seriously, is this the way that he's experiencing me? So he was kind of modeling what he was seeing. He was modeling. Yeah. Those little mirrors, right? Oh my gosh. They're such little mirrors. Mm -hmm. And if we pay attention to them, we can completely start to change the narrative of that. With Victor, I said, no, immediately. I enrolled in parenting classes and started figuring out what are some tips? What can I do better? What can I do differently? And lo and behold, I figured it out that I had to be intentional in everything I did. I have so many moments that just listening to your story, like, first of all, any one of those things is hard enough that you were dealing with as a child, right? And then to be a parent, which is like hard enough on top of all the stuff that you were dealing with, like, oh my gosh, that's just so much. I guess my question is, how did you know how to behave? Like the things you wanted, you wanted to read a book when you didn't have that modeled for you. Like, how did you even know about that? I saw that on TV ever since I was a little girl. I remember watching a teacher being compassionate with her students and connecting with Mm -hmm. them and helping them. That's where I wanted to become a teacher. I'm like, she inspired me to become a teacher. So we see these things all over our environment, whether it's in a movie, on TV, with friends or whoever it may be. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what that would be like. And it seems like it's a great idea. So let me do it. And let me tell you, I come from a place of an, an experience in my life where I didn't even experience affection. You know, as a mother, how important it is in the formative years. And I also come from an early childhood education background, self-taught, you know, many years down the road, but really understanding the importance of being affectionate, compassionate, caring, empathetic with your child and connection. I had to learn to do that. That's not easy when you haven't felt it yourself. And it's amazing when you start to see your children and how they're moving along and creating things because of that. Wow. He's much more empathetic. He's compassionate. He understands. That's beautiful. Can you explain what is intentional parenting? You know, we're using this term, but what, how would you define it? To me, intentional parenting is to see, this is the way that I put it for myself. When Victor was growing up, I am raising the man that he will become. What type of man, what type of individual, what type of person do I want to raise? in the long run, because everything that that we do here today is going to have an outcome and a result. Now I come from the coaching world as well and coaching individuals. Sometimes when I'm coaching people, all right, you know, they're like completely destroyed or something's happened, right? They've had a, a great level of success and then they plummet and up and down, up and down. And a lot of that comes from our childhood. So intentional parenting is how would I like for him to treat others in the future? 
how would I like for them to show up and be with other people in the world? Do I want him to be compassionate? Should I talk about Victor? I wanted him to be compassionate, empathetic, loving, caring, understanding. And there was moments there, Lisa, that I got to see it. I got to see it where I remember Victor and John, they were playing out with two other children who were also playing by beside them one day. And these other little guys were cussing each other out. They were like mean to each other. And listening to Victor and John, John wasn't catching them on. Victor's like, it's okay, John. It's okay. Try it again. Do it again. Pick it up. You'll get it. And really understanding, seeing the ripples of my impact in those moments really solidified that I was on the right track. Mm-hmm. So much so that my son would tell me, he's like, mom, how come you're different? Remember one day he ran down the stairs. He's 11. He was 11 years old at the time. And he's like, mom, why are you so different from my family and my uncles and my father and these people? And I'm like, what are you talking about, son? And in that, it was the loving and the compassion and the understanding and how I did things different. And then he named it. He's like, people are out partying on the weekends and you're not. Sometimes they're yelling at their kids. And I, one of those things that it, I didn't yell at home. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was one time that somebody yelled and my son ran down the stairs and he thought the house was on fire. (laughs) He's like, what? (laughs) What is that? Well, it's so interesting because we're not yellers either in our house. We get disappointed a lot, but we're not yellers. And when we had a family uh, visit us and stay with us, they were yellers. And my whole family was like, oh my God, I don't even know what to do with that. It's such a different environment, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you're not used to it, which I'm glad we're not, um, it really affects us. It really does. And it starts to shape. So intentional parenting is to see who is the person that I'm creating, right? Mm -hmm. Because we are in the process of creation. We're in the process of continuing to mold and to do everything from zero to seven, knowing what I know today from a coaching perspective and human development, we start to live our lives from that perspective. Everything that we see up until then is what we're going to become right? If we grew up in a compassionate environment, we're going to be compassionate beings. Mm -hmm. If we grew up in a mean environment, guess what we're going to be? We're going to be mean, right? And to really understand that, is this action that I'm about to partake in, is it going to be the greatest benefit of my child in the future? Yeah. So I'm just thinking, so is the actual parenting piece, you actually modeling these types of behaviors and providing that environment for them? And they're mirroring that. Is that what? Most definitely. Because children mirror everything that we do in our Mm -hmm. life. When you start to see, and it's like, they're meaning these, right? They're meaning us. I know. And they learn everything through the silent language that I'd say. And the silent language being that they're, it's our actions Mm -hmm. or our words. They're modeling our actions over and over again. So we're born into what we call, what some people call, this is our world, that no matter what, that this is our reality, our blueprint of the world, right? Mm -hmm. We can't even see it. It takes a lot of intentionality and consciousness to be able to see where our patterns come from. I had a choice. Yeah. There was a moment that there was a choice with Victor and I was 17 years old and I'm going to university. And I remember Victor, he was kicking and screaming all the way home on the bus. Okay. And I remember coming home and this is like a moment of deep confession as a mother where I'm thinking, wow, like Victor's out of control. Like it was easy to stop and spank him. 
It was easy. But in that moment where I felt that energy of my mother towards me, I'm looking at this little guy and I'm like, no, never. Like I have a choice on how I react, right? How I respond to the situation, right? I'm either reacting or responding. I choose to be conscious and respond to this moment here now and figure it out. Like nothing's ever that bad, right? Where you need to spank a child. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing is, you know, I, I picture myself in these moments and I, I don't, I'm not as good as you <laughs> in taking that pause. Um, I do not spank. I don't do any of that. I'm not a yeller either, but I do react. I find it hard sometimes not to react. You know, you're in that moment, your kid is having a fit. Like I can remember one, <laughs> one time I was in Barnes and Noble um, and my daughter, I mean, she was too, what a fit. I mean, she's kick, exactly. It was your son, right? Kicking and screaming. Right. And it was like, you just feel this like, oh, and you react from a place that's not, not always in our right brain, right? And we're not in this place of like reason. And sometimes it's also we're reacting because it's our own personal issue, right? We're embarrassed of my kid literally, you know, flinging around books and things in, in Barnes and Noble. So I lifted her up. And they had the double doors, you know, like the door to go out and then the door to go fully out. So it was like this double door. And I just placed her there and she just like let it loose <laughs> between these two glass mm. doors. And I would have uh, parents and people go in and look at me and I'd be like, yeah, she's having a moment. You know, I'm like, there's nothing I can say or right. do in this moment to calm her. So I'm just going to wait it out and I'm just going to, you know, just be like, yep, that's where I am. And I hope you have a better day. <laughs> we are in this moment. But I do think like that reacting, I mean, in that place, at least I could just put her somewhere safe and just wait. But how do you go about dealing with that, you know, not reacting, and actually in this, you know, more of an intentional parenting when you are also elevated in the moment? Reconnect with your breath. Reconnect with your breath. I'm going to say that anytime anybody calls me and they're panicking, they're like, oh, I'm like, breathe. Breathe, please breathe and start with the exhale because a lot of us start with the inhale, emptying out your lungs and breathing like a baby, right? Because most of us are breathing from our shoulders. It's actually not as productive. We're taking in 30% less oxygen, mm -hmm. a concept, right? Just breathe like a baby. Start to reconnect with that. Gosh, there's so many places I want to go with this conversation. No, <laughs> right? go. We need the help. It's having a plan and leading. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I know that little... Michael is going to run around and be a little wild. He's going to be in the kitchen and he shouldn't be there. And he's 18 months old and whatnot. So there's a couple of things. And I want to come back to that one in just a moment. Mm -hmm. The other thing is to recognize and realize that this child does not have the knowledge and the skills and abilities and life experiences that we do. Okay. It's overwhelming. If somebody was to put us in a rocket, suit us to another planet and expect us to be working around with, let's call them aliens, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Extraterrestrials, mm -hmm. that they're out there. We're not going to know how to function. Right. right? It's going to take a moment. And imagine them lashing out at us, being mean to us. It's the same concept, right? These children do not have that mental capacity. And depending on where they're at, there's a major difference between one to two, two to three, three to four. Mm -hmm. right? That they don't have the cognitive abilities to be able to understand, hey, I have this, this juice over here, but you gave Michael a bigger glass. They don't understand that it's the same exact amount, 
because it's not within their awareness yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. To understand that they have a limited capacity with what they know and they come here new into mm -hmm. everything. Right? Yeah. Imagine somebody puts you in a different language, puts you into a completely different field. Would you really thrive? That's where compassion and empathy come in. Looking at it through that lens and then getting back to little Michael. And then I'll tell you about little Johnny because little Johnny changed my life. Okay. okay. He changed the way that I looked at the world. So little Michael is now in the kitchen. They're like, get out of here. You're going to get burned. Let him touch the oven. Let him get burned. No, no, no. What about like, hey, little Michael, how about we go and read a book? We have that capacity. It takes a lot more energy to say, don't do something. And by the way, do your research on this. Children hear approximately 450 no's a day in comparison to 50 yeses. Okay. Uh, so we start to program them, whether we want to or not, we're subconsciously programming them for at sometimes in life, sometimes for failure. If we mm -hmm. look at it that way. Yeah. Okay. When we start telling them, no, 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 no. And somebody now he's 20, 30, 50 years old and somebody tells him, no, okay, I won't do it. But yet it was the best opportunity and best experience. So children who are, are allowed to, to talk and have these conversations are going to have a sense of belonging. They're going to have a sense of power. They're going to have a sense of empathy, connection, all of that, because that's what they were taught at a very young age. And I see it from a coaching perspective where I'm working with an amazing doctor. I work with so many amazing people all over the world who have extraordinary success, yet they can't make that leap. Why? They can't make that leap. Okay. And then we start to explore and then later discover that it was the programming that they received as a child. They were told they were unworthy. They were told that if they got more, their brothers and sisters wouldn't get in. Mm -hmm. And because of that, now they can't make that mental leap onto the next level of their career. So start to look at what is the outcome of our experiences today? Mm -hmm. If I do this right here, what is going to happen down the road, right? right? That is intentional parenting. So I love that because instead of, you know, the kid in the kitchen, right? doing things and wrecking it or whatever, getting burnt, instead of being like, no, you can't do this. You can say, hey, can you help me with this? And giving that responsibility. Because sometimes that they just need that guidance of either what to do or feeling of like belonging, you know, and just giving them that responsibility that they feel a little bit more like, oh, I have to do this. Okay, I can rise up, you know, to doing that. So I love that instead of saying no, saying yes, to something else. Yes. Like, and we all have that desire, that sense of belonging. Even mm -hmm. a child that's been abused, severely abused, the likelihood that that child's going to go against their parents, given a specific age before the age of five or five years of age, they won't go against them, even if they're given the opportunity. Why? Because they have that, they know that their survival depends on their parents. They want to know that, that sense of, I mean, come on, we don't need to go very far. I was mm -hmm. that kid. Yeah. I was that kid. Right. I was that child where people would tell me, are your parents doing anything? No, oh, no, no, they're not. Uh, guess what? They were beating me up back and blue. And I still didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. But intentional parenting comes to come over here. Let's have another conversation. And I shared the little internet code with you. Yes. I, I love that story. Please share. It. Please share. Yes. It. yes. So Victor was five years old. I was working two jobs, you know, mind you, 20 years old. 
Okay. Imagine that two jobs going to school. We didn't even have a car. Okay. I was going to university on a bus, dropping them off at daycare. And after a long day, I had to take them to his doctor's appointment across town. I had already taken a few buses to even get home to pick him up from mm -hmm. daycare and then have to go all the way back. And Victor looked at me and he's like, mom, I'm tired. So it's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And he's like, I'm tired. Can you just carry me? And I'm like thinking, I can't carry him, right? Mm -hmm. Nor is it his problem that I can't carry him. I was exhausted. Normally I would. I was simply physically exhausted. And I'm like, Victor, let me tell you about the story about the little engine that could. Mm -hmm. And as I was telling it to him, I'm like, and I think I can. And it was going up the hill. And I think I can. It's going up the hill. and going up the hill. And I think I can. And before we knew it, we were up that hill and I didn't even have to say anything to Victor. I didn't have to say, oh gosh, you're so big. I can't carry you. I'm exhausted. It's none of his business, mm -hmm. nor is it his problem. He wanted that connection. He wanted that comfort. He wanted to go up the hill. I couldn't give it to him. The very thing that he didn't think he could do, he did it based on a story, right? Mm -hmm. That we get to have that intentionality, that level of intentionality of knowing and I don't know about you. Okay. So I grew up I'm like, if we grew up and we were, as I was growing up and somebody would, mom would get up for instance, like, you guys are late to school. You woke up with whatever that was. I mean, that would freak me out. Okay. Mm -hmm. That would ruin the rest of my day. What can I do? And this is what I did for Victor. I'm like, son, guess what? You know, I was traveling. Okay. I'm doing 70 hours a week going out to teach in Alamosa, driving home, getting home at 3, 34 o'clock in the morning. I had to get up at seven. Some days I'd get up at 7, 15, 7, 20. I was exhausted. Yes, we're late. You know, we're late to get a head start on our day and I need to go drop him off at school and he's not up. Guess what, son? We got up late. <laughs> How about you go get ready? I'll go get your breakfast ready. You'll eat it in the car and you're going to have a great day. What a concept because yeah. we see the reverse. <laughs> Yeah, getting back to little Michael, we're like, little Michael, you got up late. And like, gosh, if anybody did that to me, I'd freak out. Okay. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, I'm like, go, 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 go. Come on guys. We're late. Let's go. Let's go. I, I'd, be, I'd be panicking. I'm like, oh my gosh. I know. I do that all the time though. I do that all the time. And then like the, the ripples of that, right. The trickling effect, all of a sudden, you know, here's little Michael gets to school. He's in trouble. Doesn't have, he didn't eat breakfast. They didn't have his homework. His shoes are on the wrong feet. He's in the corner the rest of the day. His entire day is ruined. He gets home. First thing that mom or dad say, you're in trouble. Your teacher just called me because you were just a bad boy. And I'm like, who created that? How do we start to shift that narrative, that conversation and making it safe for our children to be late, making it safe for them to ask us for what we need. Okay. So now I'm going to come back to little Johnny. Mm -hmm. Little Johnny, three-year-old little Johnny taught me one of the greatest lessons in the world. And I was, by this time, I was teaching parenting courses and piloting programs all over the state. And one day I show up and little Johnny's like, mom is, he's there with mom. And she's like, okay, don't bother me. You know, like I'm, I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of something. Don't bother me. I didn't know what was going on. I said, okay, great. You know, we'll just continue on with our lesson plan today. And then little Johnny starts to throw things. And I'm like, okay, well, it looks like he's misbehaving, right? So mom is trying to calm him down. So let me tell you, it got so bad 
I think it's like your little gal and my little guy got together. Okay. (laughs) This little kid was a disaster. He was throwing things all over the place. And I'm like, and I'm really good with children, I believe. And I'm like, okay, without any words, I gave him papers and gave him markers to draw with. And then, and then he was out of control again. And I said, okay, fine. We're going to stop the class right now. This is great. It's a great break. Let's go, let's go have something to eat and brought them food. So at that moment, mom puts a plate, we're serving tamales that day, puts a plate of tamales in front of him. And what happened next was magically. Little guy got up and he picked up all the things that he had thrown. Here's what actually happened. And then we'll talk about what happens in the future. When they had gotten there, mom said, don't bother me. I, I know you're hungry. Don't ask me for food right now. Yeah. So little guy was hungry. He had mm-hmm. no other way. If she's not tending to his human needs right away, when he needs it and he's being told that he can't, guess what happens when children are nonverbal? Yeah, they <clears> have to act out. They have to act out. It's the only communication <clears throat> they have. Yeah. And depending on our children, sometimes they act out so bad that we don't know what's happening. Okay. Now let's see what that future would bring to little Johnny. If little Johnny doesn't learn how to communicate and mom doesn't learn how to nurture him the way that he needs to be nurtured, in time, little Johnny, every time he gets hungry, he's going to get irate. Guess what's going to happen in school? He's going to get in trouble. Yeah. Right. Guess what's going to happen in relationship? He's going out with a girl. Okay. Guess what's going to happen in a marriage or in an intimate relationship, right? There's a ripple effect, whether it's positive or negative, there's always a ripple effect. And we get to choose that intentionally. What is it that I do here now that's going to lead to the greatest outcome? And I say that because, you know, let's fast forward. I have a grandson who's seven and a half years old. I remember Emilio, I'd toss him up. He was 18 months old and I toss him up in the air and I'm like, Hey, Emilio, this is so much fun. And I remember Emilio one day, just like, I could feel the fear in his body not under my watch because I knew that the moment that he felt fear like that with something that was fun for him to connect with, that he would always feel it for the rest of his life. Like I have a choice to change that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. This is so much fun to the moment where he did start to internalize that that was so much fun. And Mm -hmm. I've done that with my son. I've done that with other children getting off a roller coaster. My, my little niece was like shaking. She's like barely tall enough to get on the roller coaster. I think I was more afraid that she was (laughs) hanging on to her. All right. And we get off the roller coaster and she's like shaking. And my friends and I were there like, Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. That was so much fun, right? Yvette? That was so much fun. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh yeah, it was, right? Because that's the pattern, right? It's always a moment of impact. And for a child, every moment is of impact. Okay, let's be honest. A cat comes in, hisses at them, like, ah, you know, they're yeah. going to be afraid of cats forever, right? <laughs> Until they recognize that cats are friendly. So gosh, this is so good. Um, you learned a lot of this older, right? You had your own child, you were what, 15, 16, by the time you're like learning this, do you feel it's like too late to start it? Or can you start doing this parenting, even if your kid is older? You can do it at any time. And I've taught parenting courses to parents that were twice my age. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they did it and they did an amazing job. For instance, his father 
walked in one day, first time I was first, second cohort that I was teaching. I was 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So crazy. I wanted my life to mean something at that point. I said, how do I be more intentional and share these life experiences for people, for parents to understand the impact, the impact on their life forever. And so day one, father walks in and, and we're introducing each other. I'm like, well, what would you like to learn? What would you like to connect about? Go over to father. And he's like, I've taken these courses before and I didn't learn anything. And I expect to learn nothing from you. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. All right. Thank you. I have nothing to teach you. I'm not here to teach you anything. I'm here to learn from you as you, from me and we from each other. That's what we're here. We're here to share those experiences by the third class. And it was weekly class for 16 weeks. Dad walks in with with his wife and says, thank you, Rocio. Thank you so much. It was because now my daughters no longer think I'm an ogre. He mentioned that he would walk home. The moment that he'd walk in the door, the children would go to their rooms and he would get to engage with them. So those children were seven and nine. Mm -hmm. So they were older, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now they're 26 and 28. Right. Mm-hmm. It's been a moment for sure. And they were older. I mean, it can happen at any time. And it's about that connection. I've done parenting courses with parents that have teenagers. Same mm-hmm. concept right there. And the concept for the teenagers is like having that level of trust. I would always tell my son, son, there isn't anything in this world that you can tell me that I'm going to be upset at. Disappointed being upset are two different yeah. things. <laughs> yes. Bottom line, yes. I'm here to protect you. I'm the number one person in this world that's going to protect you. Tell me what's going on. Like, I want to know what's going on. A lot of the things, and I've done classes with even teenagers, and I'm talking about 14 to 18, with their parents in the classroom. And, oh my gosh, they have been the most honest people. They're like, mom, dad, I don't care about your car. I don't care about the house. I don't care. I care about the communication that we're having. Sometimes I share something with you and you panic over the small things. So I'm testing the ground. You panic Mm -hmm. over small things. I can't tell you what's going on in my life. That is so true. That is so true. We have teens, as you know, um, and I have a policy with my teens that like they can tell me anything and I will not react. I will listen first and obviously give guidance where I think, but I have been told things. I don't think any mom wants to hear. what's going on really in some ways I'm like well do I really want to know but I I keep that promise that you can tell me and I'm here to help with the guidance if you need it or to just listen but it is a hard it's a hard place because you learn things um that you're almost like well did I really want to know that's what you're doing or have done or try <laughs> but at least I at least that communication is open. They know they can trust me. And and that is where I am an intentional parent, I have to say, mm-hmm. because I don't react. I listen. That's my time to kind of sit silent, let that come in safely. And they even test the waters. You're right. They test it. They're like, they'll say a little bit about the story. And then if I don't react, they say more about the story. <laughs> And then the truth is really there. So that has been a really nice lesson because they also know they can come to me when they are in trouble. Right. And then how do we start to have that conversation sooner? Right. Yeah. And we start to have that conversation where it's safe. I I knew one thing after I took my first parenting course at the age of 19, you imagine that I had a four-year-old at the age of 19. It's scary. Mm -hmm. 
to think about. Literally, Lisa, my son's going to be 32 years old. Oh my goodness. Three days from now. 32 years old. It's, It's wild. It's crazy. Yeah. What I do know that even at the age of 19, being there with my son, figuring things out, I knew if he knew how to think for himself, he was going to be great. That's it. Does he know how to reflect? And I had this policy. He didn't get timeout, like traditional timeout. It was like, okay, son, think about what you did. How did it work out? Like the outcome of it? What what was the impact? Tell me what would you would do different. Like given that he knew those four key things, he was going to be successful in life because he was going to be able to see the impact of his actions. If, mm-hmm. if he didn't know why he got in trouble, come on. How many children know why they get in trouble? Stop. They don't. What is the, that? First of all, <laughs> I have this policy that we must speak in complete sentences. Okay. Be descriptive. Be specific. What is the that that the child is doing? Go mm-hmm. get me that. Go stop doing that. Do this. What is the this that you want me to do? Right. Imagine like right now in this moment, I can say, Lisa, don't, don't think about the pink elephant on the green ball. Lisa, don't think about the pink elephant on the green ball. Lisa, are you thinking about the pink elephant on the green I ball? I am thinking about the pink elephant right, on the green elephant. ball that I can't even see. <laughs> right? And so here's the way that I see it. When we go through that and we tell them what not to do, we're actually painting a picture of what to do because the mind, the subconscious mind does not have the capacity to understand the word no. Mm-hmm. If I say blue light, you're going to think blue light. Mm-hmm. How about I tell my child exactly what it is that I want them to do instead of telling them what, what not to do? They hear what not to do versus what to do. Michael, I, I'd love for you to go pick up the, the book on the table that's on the right-hand side. It's the purple book with the green letters. Pick that book up, please, and bring it back to me mm-hmm. because we don't give complete instructions as well. We're in our head. Okay, so last night I'm here. I'm here in Huntington Beach. We're driving down the street. It's so pretty late at night. It's like 8.30. I've had a long day, flight, uh, work, and everything in between. And my friend's like, uh, I brought my mom there. Okay, where's the there? there? Well, to that hospital. Okay, well, to the hospital for for what purpose? Okay, oh, she had COVID. When? Like, (laughs) give me complete sentences. I brought my mom last week because she had COVID and she couldn't breathe. Okay, bottom line, right? doesn't have to take five minutes to try to draw things out. Mm -hmm. Yet when we're very specific, that that communication actually lands. The the person knows exactly what it is that we're talking about, as opposed to guessing. And and we're in our head because that conversation has been in our head for so long. See, we have anywhere from 60,000 thoughts to 70,000 thoughts a day in our mind. 60,000 thousand thoughts. Imagine that. We are making anywhere from 35,000 to 40,000 decisions a day. No wonder we're exhausted. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We're like so exhausted. Forget about the rest of people, right? Mm -hmm. And then we start to interact with exhausted. Imagine exhausted interacts with exhausted. And Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, speaking of those moments, it's like, we have the opportunity to change things. At the age of 25, I was in a head-on collision that nearly left me in a wheelchair. I was told told by the time I was 30, I would not be walking, okay? And I said, no way. I was 25 and a half years old. What I do know is when I started parenting shortly after, 
six months later, I was preparing myself to parent do my parenting courses. And by that next January, I was already doing them. And I remember being completely exhausted and in pain that I'm not even going to say. It was just horrific. And coming home after working an entire day and then teaching parenting courses, which I was exhausted because I was going through my own transformation at the same time. If you could only imagine, it wasn't just I'm teaching, but I'm also processing my life and what happened to me and the things that I wish would have been different. Mm -hmm. And then hearing all the parents' life experiences. And they were going through some really tough things in their life. And it wasn't easy to let that go and get home. What I do know is that when I'd get home, I wanted to drag myself in. Okay, like physically, I could barely walk. I wanted to just crawl on the floor and drag myself into the house. My choices are my choices. There's a decision and there's a choice. And to me, the choice is far more powerful than any decision I could ever make. And I'm going to paint it this way. A choice is something that I can take a look and see how do I choose to respond? This is where intentionality and consciousness and awareness come in. How do I choose to respond to this experience now? The choice, okay, I'm going to connect with my son. Okay, well, all right. But how is the choice? How am I going to choose to connect with them? So I put down my visor, open up the mirror, and I'd look at myself and I'd say, you know what, mama, you've got this. You've got this. I've got half an hour to give Victor. I'm going to give him the best half an hour of his entire day and just get up, just do it. And I'd walk in the house and I'm like, son, how was your day? I want to hear about your day. I want to hear what amazing things you did. And we have this beautiful interaction. See, it's not about the time that we spend with our children. A lot of us can be there 24 seven, yet the intentionality, 10 minutes of intentionality will take the trophy over 24 hours of present or just mm -hmm. existing, right? Because it's not even presence. Yeah. To have that magical, mystical experience with your child that will elevate them to a different level and being intentional. And a lot of us want to try, we hear all these tips and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to do them all. This is what mom's doing, or this is what dad's doing. I'd say be subtle because our children have been accustomed to seeing us in a certain way and trying too many different things at once may shock them. And it may backfire as opposed to take one thing and you'll know exactly when the perfect time is to try the next thing, to, to incorporate the next and the next thing right? Do one thing at a time until you master that and you start seeing the results of those things. I do love the concept of, I call it like quality time, you know, just instead of quantity time, right? With your child. They say that, yeah, if you sit with somebody 10 or 15 minutes, it feels like hours. And so when I heard that once, I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. I even tried this with my husband too, because he needs that quality time. And sometimes, you know, as a working parent, you don't have that much time, you know, you're working all day and then you have your kids and it's just like, you just don't have that much time. So I did, I did it with each child and I did it with my husband and I sat there for 10 minutes and I just zoned in on whatever they were talking about. And what I found is they actually got filled before the 10 minutes was up and they're like, okay, gonna go. And they like left me. And I was like, okay, actually it only took five minutes, but mm -hmm. Whereas I could spend the whole day with my daughter one-on-one -on -one time, but yet she's still not filled because I'm not like actually doing that quality piece. So that was really a life learning. And I, and I like 
I like using that a lot because it does. It's like they get what they need out of it. We're connecting, but it doesn't have to be this amazing, grandiose thing at all. Right. And and it really doesn't. And you bring up such a strong point right there, Lisa, the fact that it's conscious. Okay. It is a response. Response equals consciousness. And I bring this point back because reacting is automatic. Any mm-hmm. one of us reacts like 98% of the population reacts. Let's just be honest. Okay. Oh, yeah. Somebody shows up late, you're driving down the street, somebody pets you off, you know, whatever it happens. And I remember even telling Victor, I'd say like, son, I don't know what happened. You know, like maybe a loved one died. Maybe they're in the hospital. Maybe they're like, whatever's happening in their life. We don't know that. And just like we don't know, we we took a detour, something happened. It's like, okay, we get to experience something different here in this moment. That's a choice. You have a wonderful quote on your website that I kind of stalked. I'll be honest. Yeah, I don't know if you know <laughs> it, but um, I'm going to say it. You, you said there is always another solution to a problem as long as we use our imagination. And I love that. I just love that because I think if we can take a pause <laughs> in our reacting <laughs> or from the situation and really use that creativity to try and choose, like you said, something else. I think that is going to change a lot of our parenting. Yes, it is. It is. And it's going to change the outcome of our children and their life experiences where they feel like they're worthy. Do you know, Lisa, that a lot of people, it doesn't matter the level of success. I work with multimillionaires, 70 million and lose it. They don't feel worthy of success. And I would say that almost 100% of those experiences where they don't feel worthy came from zero to seven. It didn't happen at 25, 35, 55, it happened zero to seven. When it comes, I had this global leader, top in his field, top in his field recently around the world, top in his field around the world. Okay. And his boss was asking him to step it up. And he's like, I can't, like he was having all these reactions towards his boss. When he started looking at it, he started to see where it came from and had to change, chose to shift his consciousness from reacting, which is automatic. That is all the programming that we have subconsciously to our conscious mind. Okay. That is 95% of our programming, by the way, the reaction is 95%. It's just a program. Turn it on, turn on the TV, (laughs) right? Just turn it on. As opposed to being intentional and switch the dial, change the channel. That's intentionality. That's only 5%. Do you want to live on autopilot or do you want to live in I choose life? Yeah. The old or the new? Oh, so much. I love this so much. All right. What would you like parents to know that are listening to us today? Be loving to yourself. Be compassionate with yourself. Understand that we're going to make mistakes. Is it going to be perfect? No, we're not. There's no such thing as perfection. Mm -hmm. And even if we feel that we are doing the right thing, we may not necessarily be appreciated for it. And I think about like sometimes even myself, holding my son to really high standards. Why? Because I knew what it was not to. He wouldn't be half the man that he is if I hadn't done a tenth of the things that he has done, right? The things that I chose to do. So that's something to really take into consideration. I would also say to moms and dads to take time out for yourself. Make yourself a priority. I would say for me, I'm selfish. Okay. 
I've always been selfish. <laughs> I'd get up, I'd work out in the morning. I do a lot of different things. I meditate. I have my journal. I'm traveling now. I still have my journal. I still have a workout routine. I still have me time, right? Because that which we sacrifice ourselves for, we end up resenting. And I'm going to repeat that one because that's so important. That which we sacrifice ourselves for, in this case, our children, our loved ones, our family, we end up resenting on a subconscious level. It's not even conscious. We're so exhausted by life. Fill your cup first. First of all, empty it out first. Okay. You don't want to put <laughs> in coffee in a dirty cup. Take it out. Sit down. Say, hey, what, what type of life experience do I want to live with my children? Write it out. Mm -hmm. Who do I want them to build, to become in the future? And how do I help them build that here now? Right. And how do I become more intentional? Because the end of the day, telling our children no, it's like to, telling ourselves no, bottom line. There is no difference. The subconscious mind does not understand the difference, whether we're telling somebody no or we're, whether we're telling ourselves no. It's all no, and it's all negative energy. Yeah. I, I love walking children over. I'm like, hey, let's go do something different. Let's mm -hmm. go Let's go play with a book. Let's go read a book. Let's go play with these. What do you want to build? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? What would you do differently? I'm going to share one story about my grandson, my seven and a half year old grandson. One day, Emilio, I came over and he was catching the ball like this. Like he wasn't going to catch it, Lisa. Okay, let's mm -hmm. just be honest. Unless he had <laughs> right? He wasn't going to catch it. And I'm like, okay. So by the end of that visit, he was crossing his arms, holding. I'm like, okay, he's made progress, right? Progress is progress. He's moving mm -hmm. forward. The next weekend I came over and I'm like, come on, Amelia, let's go play catch. No, I can't catch it. And I'm like, oh, those are the most dangerous words to me in the world. I can't. And Amelia's, I can't, I can't catch the ball. I can't catch the ball. And I have this video and it was a little hacky sack that I was throwing to him. And I'm like, hmm, we're going to change that right now. That's where intentionality comes. And I'm like, come on, come on, Emilio, you've got this. And then I'm like, repeat after me. And he's always done this. And I'm like, repeat after me. I've got this. And then you see Emilio Lisa, he's like, I've got this. And I'm like, who's got it? I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I threw the little hacky sack. He runs across the room, catches it for the very first time and caught like 96% of that afterwards. It's all minds. Yeah. The it mind is all mind, right? Mm -hmm. And he was only four at the time saying that he couldn't, right? Where did he learn that he can't? Mm -hmm. Where did he learn that he can't, right? From all of us, because we tell him no. And then the more people we interact with, the more noise that we're going to hear, right? Mm -hmm. And it's across all socioeconomics, educational, everything levels with our children. Think about this. I'll leave you with this picture friend who his brother was at a restaurant and he was overseeing this guy who had his nine month old daughter in a high chair and he was handing it to her. His brother walked up and he looked at the man. He goes, you expect her to know what you know? You're 40 <laughs> years old. She's oh. a baby, yeah. right? She doesn't know what you know. Understand that. Mm -hmm. Understand that children are simply learning that what we think may be something that they shouldn't be getting into might be something that's good for them. Like they're exploring. Yes, they're going to break things. Of course they are. They're really investigating this world. They know nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd hope that each and every one of us would take that away. That if we were to be shot up in a rocket and into a different world, that we know it's going to take time to learn the rules of that community. 
gosh, there's one more thing that I want to share. I'm like, Lisa, I want to just stay here for the rest of the forever. Week. We're going to have you forever. I'm just going to stay here with you. <laughs> Put you like, in my like, pocket. Can I just join your podcast? You can. You can be my co-host. <laughs> um, I love that. So one of the things that we don't take into consideration is the, the in the intentionality is having these conversations with our children. Like, how do we have more rich conversations? How do we, even the meaning, like we give everything meaning, each and every one of you, you, me, mom, dad, there's 8 billion people in this world. Those 8 billion people have their own meaning based on their own life experience, seen through their own lens. Nothing has meaning in this world except the meaning that we give it. And that meaning is going to depend on the experiences, life experiences that we've had. And all of us have blind spots. We just can't see them. We see other people's blind spots. Yeah. What about making time to be more intentional and start to shift that? Mm-hmm. What if we ask our children what they would like, what they think, and we sit there in that and take it, that feedback as one of the most extraordinary opportunities to connect at a deeper level? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, as much as I can have you on literally all week or just forever, (laughs) you just brought so much amazing, amazing insight. And I can't thank you enough for coming and sharing all this information with us and your story and how you got here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's such an honor and a privilege. Thank you for the work that you do to touch, move, inspire parents and really be there for them. And I'd say, mom, dad, whoever you are, go take care of yourself first. Your children are going to be better off that way. And you can give them more. Like take that time in the morning for you. Wake up earlier. A lot of people are like, I can't wake up. Yes. Yes, you can. Yeah. They always say you have to put your oxygen mask on before you can put your child's on. There's a reason for that. You cannot give from a place, place of depletion. Thank you for listening to this episode. Rosu generously shared so many ways we could start parenting from a more intentional place. If you found as much value from today's episode as I have, share it with a friend. Like Rocio said, we have the power of how we react. So let's make how we respond to our children more intentional.